State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The Recession Podcast with yours truly, Jeezy, is a production of Black Effect and iHeartRadio. This is Jeezy, Grammy-nominated urban philosopher, philanthropist, and entrepreneur. And this is my show, The Recession Podcast. For years, I used my music to highlight the struggles and issues facing this country, the economy, politics, protests, mental health, and more. And now, strong voices are more important than ever before. On this show, I will speak to powerful people from all walks of life to have real conversations about change, perseverance, and hope. And each episode will feature a sample of a song from my new album, The Recession 2. So without further ado, Let's begin the Recession Podcast. Let's get it. Today's show was a conversation with life and business strategist Tony Robbins, one of my favorites. He's a New York Times bestselling author and a personal inspiration to me. I rocks with him. This man came up and found success and started off with literally nothing. Rags of riches, my type of story. Tony says his success is based on determination, mindset, and faith. All of those ideas were an inspiration in my new song, The Kingdom. I gotta give my heart, I gotta give my soul. Gotta push through the pain, gotta stay in control. See, they want me to fold, yeah, they want me to break. Leave me dead in the streets, now they can't be my fate. Tell me who can I trust, tell me who shall I fear. Tennessee in my cup, Tennessee in my tears. Gasoline in my lungs, little bro on the drum. No high school diploma, so they think that I'm done. Here's our conversation with Tony Robbins. Let's get it, the Recession Podcast. They want to give me a charge, they want to give me a case. Kitchen call me a failure, said it right to my face. Yeah, they call me a dealer, then they call me a killer. Welcome to the Recession Podcast. And basically I did this, this is my first episode. This is something to... um you know, put light on the new project that we'll be dropping. And uh, 08, I wrote my first recession project, and it was probably one of my best records to date because I had a lot of the energy to pull from from the people, 
and yeah. uh, just what was going on in the world. And, and, and fast forward to today, it's the same thing. And uh, it just, you know, it's just a pleasure to talk to you about these things. So, so well, welcome you. to the Recession Podcast. Well, thank you, brother. For sure, for sure. So, so my first thing is uh, just without just digging deep off the rip, it's just like I I I listen to your podcast all the time when I'm in the gym. Uh, I read a few of your books. Um, you know, I watched a lot of your moves. And, you know, my thing is like, how did this Tony Robbins uh, mindset, like how did this start? Like I remember listening to something where you talked about you was going through something and you was um, on the highway and I think you was in your car and you pulled yeah. over and you started crying and you were just like, you know what, I got to really, you know, bring this together. And I, I just want to know how did that mindset start because I know how it started for me but I, I would love to hear I want to hear know. yours too afterwards if we you give me the time Abs I'd love to hear it absolutely you know? absolutely cool. I love this to be exchanged but listen uh, I just I've always loved people man I just have this like when I, when I was a little kid and I was like five years old I want a little brother more than anything on it and we lived in a real poor part of Carson and central LA uh, south central and uh, we moved around a lot. And so I was completely isolated. And there was this like 85 year old woman next door. And I used to call her every day, young lady to come over the fence and talk to me. <laughs> I just love to light people up and I hate suffering. I've had enough of my own suffering. I grew up in a right. pretty tough environment. You know, I'm, we were always, we had no money for food. One of the reasons I feed up, you know, hundred million meals a year, every year in the United States. I've been doing it now for five and a half years, six years. We've fed over half a billion people. It's not because I'm a good guy. It's because I know what it feels like to not have food. And so, right. um, the environment was tough. I had four different fathers, um, a lot of violence. My mom was a beautiful woman, great soul. I wouldn't be who I am without her. You know, she's since passed. But when she drank and she used uh, prescription drugs, the mixture made her crazy. And uh, I was a little guy and she would slam my head against the wall until I bled or she'd pour liquid soap down my throat to make me throw up because she thought I was lying about something. I wasn't lying and mm. kind of messes with your head when the person you love the most is trying to hurt you. And one night she chased me out of the house with a carving knife and I knew she wasn't going to kill me, but I wasn't going back in that house. Right. So I went, and slept, I went and slept on a mountain and then it rained. And so the next thing I knew is I, I went to a, a friend's house and said, could I, could I stay in your laundry room? And my, my process had already started before this. Cause when I was 17, I worked for a man and I was just trying to make money going to school. I had trying to help support my family as in high school. And um, this man was, you know, my mom was familiar with him and my dad was talking, this guy used to be such a loser and now he's so successful. And, and he wanted somebody to come work. He was buying and selling real estate, you know, at the peak in Orange County, California at the time in the seventies. And so I went to go move stuff, you know, and work my ass off. And he's like, man, you really, you got some hustle in you, man. He goes, yeah, you, you can really go someplace. I don't see anybody works that hard. And I said, well, you know, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a couple questions, you know, sitting at, you know, just a little break. And I said, I told him, I said, my dad said, you used to be such a loser. Now you're so successful. Only kids can say this shit, right? <laughs> and the guy said, your dad said, what? And I said, yeah. Right. And he said, well, he's probably right. I was a bit of a loser. I said, what, what turned you around? He goes, I went to this seminar and I never even heard the word seminar. I didn't know what the hell it was. I said, what's wow. that? He goes, you know, a man who spent 20, 30 years of life and he built himself to be really successful. He comes and teaches you in like three or four hours, the best of what he's learned in decades and saves you decades. I was Man. like, wow, that sounds interesting. Could you get me in? And he said, yeah. And then he just paused. And I said, well, will you? And he said, no. And I said, why not? He said, you won't, <laughs> he said, you won't value it if you don't pay for it. I said, trust me, man, I make 40 bucks a week as a janitor. How much is this thing? And he said, $35. So it'd be like, you know, 200 bucks today. 
And right. I said, thirty-five dollars. That's a week's pay, brother. I said, I, I can't do that. He goes, Okay, go learn on your own. It'll take you a few decades, and maybe you'll never learn. It's totally up to you. And right. he just kind of challenged me. And so I made this decision. I was like, Okay, I've been reading already. Like I, I, I hated all the pain that I went through. I hated the pain that you know I saw my friends go through. And so I didn't have any role models of success in business or life. And I was this little right. fat kid, believe it or not. And so. The first thing I did is I wrote all these books on how to lose weight and get fit. And I did. And like, all of a sudden, all these girls are coming to me. And so all my buddies like, how did you do that? That's how my career started. I started coaching them, right? Right, right, and then, right. And then all of a sudden now, by the time I'm in high school, I've read all these books. And I'm, and I'm really, you know, I took a reading, speed reading class. I said, I'm going to read a book a day. And I didn't do that. But over seven years, I read 700 books in the area of human development, psychology, physiology. Right. And then what I really tried to do was apply it. So I went to this seminar. I took a week's pay. And I listened to this guy's talk and I was like finishing his sentences. And at the end, I said, man, I want to come work for you. And the guy's like, young man, he goes, uh, he goes, well, why don't you just apply? I said, well, I understand you got to go to all your courses. And they're like 1500 bucks, you know, it'd be like, you know, $10,000 today. It's 1977. Wow. <laughs> and I said, I don't have that kind of money. I got kicked out of my house. I'm working as a janitor. I'm still going to high school, but man, loan me the money. And then I'll succeed and I'll pay the money back. And then <laughs> in my story, man. Right. And he's like, right, right. He goes, I'm not your banker, brother. He said, you decide if you're the kind of person that wants to survive, you won't be there. If your person wants to succeed, you'll find a way to get the money. So I went to bank after bank after bank, Jeezy. I mean, it was just, I got so good at knowing when they're going to say no. It's like when I walked in the room, right. And I looked young anyway, and I'll never forget. I walked in this room and I see this woman, she looked persuadable. It's my fifth bank I've been turned down by. And I went in and I just convinced her that I was going to make this thing happen. And she's like, well, let me see your application. And she goes, well, wait a second. She goes, Citrus Avenue. The bank was on this giant avenue. Citrus Avenue goes through like five cities. It's outside of east of LA. And she says, I didn't know there were any apartments on Citrus Avenue. I said, well, I kind of have a mobile home. And that was just the whole truth. I said, you know, I'm sleeping in my car. I'm parking <laughs> right. Denny's or 7-Eleven. But the address gave you 7-Eleven. And I talked to the right. mailman. And he'll let me come get the mail as long as I'm there at noon each day. And I promise wow. you the mail. Wow. He's like freaking out, right? And then she wow. goes, you're 17 years old. I said, well, what does that matter? She goes, well, contract requires you to be 18, right, to have a contract. And I said, how uh, said, I said, I could be 18 soon. And she said, how soon? I said, a week from now is my birthday. She goes, okay. And then she goes, wow. I don't think the bank's going to loan you money. So you send it to the 7-Eleven and send you the bill. And I was like, man, you understand? I don't want this money. I want $1,200. I don't want it so I can, you know, fix my car or go on a vacation. Want, I want it right, so you want I can go to a invest. seminar and change people's lives. Right. And she wow. laughed her tail off. And that was a good sign. And she finally right. said, listen, she goes, with that kind of intensity, you're dead serious. She goes, I think you're going to do something good. But she said, I want it to be good. So she said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. She said, I'm going to talk to the bank manager. And she said, if I, you swear to me that I won't have to come find you and you pay these on time, she said, I will co-sign if I have to to get you through. And the woman wow. took my life. So she, she wow. didn't have to do it. They loaned shouts out, Shouts out to her. Yeah. She, she <laughs> All of us need somebody special like that. <laughs> I mean, it took 1200 wow. bucks, which I caught my car was 1200 bucks. And I went to this right. one weekend seminar for 1200 bucks. But like, you know, some people there was easy. And I met a guy there named Mike Keys is still one of my dearest friends 40 plus years later. And, you know, he barely had enough money, but he had, he let me stay in his room. So I didn't sleep in the car. And then, you know, 30 years later, I went, well, you know, five years later, three years later, I went to work for Jim Rohn. I became the top guy in his company. And then I broke off and started my own companies and it just grew. 
But it, wow. Jim Rohn has, is the guy that had the role who played on me. He was like the, the role model for me, brother. He was like, I, I said, you know, I got four fathers and we can't afford food. You know, we don't have food for Thanksgiving. I said, mm-hmm. they're good men. How come? And he taught me the most important, one of the most important lessons of my life. He said, you know, Tony, we're all equal as souls, but we're not equal in the marketplace. Both of you brothers have mm. figured out, like I did, you got to find a way to add more value to other people. If you do more right. for other people in whatever category you are than anybody else, and you keep doing that and you keep improving, sooner or later you become the dominant force in anything. And he said, look, you go to work for McDonald's. There's nothing wrong with that. But he said, Tony, there's not a lot of added value. You can learn the basic job in 20 minutes. And he said, but you look at this hedge fund guy and you say, that guy just made $3 billion in right. income. And you know, you say, that's so unfair. He said, but he gave a 40% return instead of a 3% return. That guy literally doubled the monies of foundations, of individuals. So he's worth it. You have to work harder on yourself than your job. You have to become more valuable and you have to become completely focused and obsessed on adding value. That, I, I changed, had a McDonald- that changed my life, brother. I had a McDonald's job, by the way, just so you know. Oh, I, I McDonald's <laughs> and janitor. I, 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 got, I got them too, brother. I, I, I flipped burgers for about a week. I was on fries, and I made it to buns. <laughs> and, and, and and I was like, you know what? I can't. I, I got to go figure my life out. Yeah. And there's so many things you have as titles, like life, business strategies, uh, number one New York Times best-selling author, entrepreneur, philanthropist. And when I hear these things, they they, they just excite me. They're 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 intriguing because. Always been one of those people where we come from. It's like we always put in a box. You can only be one thing. You can either be a great yeah. father, a great brother, yeah. uh, you know, a great student, and and that's that. Yeah. But to see you have a such a wide range of things and maintain, you know, your integrity about it. And I know that you have to be um, spiritual in some way. What I always liked about your your teachings and the way you went about things, you don't really base it on religion. Like you kind of. It's personable. Is there is there a reason like why you go about it that way? Well, I, I see myself really as a Trojan horse, man. It's like always my my thought. It's like um, I give people what they want, so I get a chance to give them what they need. So they may come because mm. they want to make more money. Hold on, give them give them give them what they want, so that I have the privilege to give them what they need. And yeah, okay. so, for example, they might come to me. You know, they want to they want to grow their business. You know, hundred percent. They want to increase their income. They want to move up in their business. They want to be in a place where they have a better relationship. They want to lose 50 pounds, right? People come for different reasons. And if, what I learned is if I can deliver what they want and give them what they need, what they need is a meaningful life. What they need is a life that's about something more than themselves. You know, Martin mm. Luther King said, you know, a man, or you could say today, a person who hasn't found something they're willing to die for isn't fit to live. Those pretty strong words. But yes. I really believe in my soul that what changes people is when you find something to serve more than yourself. That's where all the energy comes from. That's where the passion, where the, that's when everybody else is gone and you keep going. It's because right. you have something that's meaningful in your life. And most right. of us think we're here to get, but really what lights us up is giving. So, wow. you know, that experience transforms. The, the story you were mentioning was I was working for this guy, Jim Rohn. I went to work for him. And I did really well in the beginning. And then, you know, like any business, I got comfortable, made some mistakes. I found myself like completely broke. I'm, I'm driving back from this place in Orange County, California, down the 57 freeway. It's midnight. I'm exhausted. I don't have any money for food. And I'm like so frustrated because I was working super hard. But, you know, in a business, if you aren't producing enough, you don't, you don't get paid. Right, right, right. right and so right. sure enough, I, I, I kept saying, God, like, what is this? What's in the way? And I... 
I pulled over on the side of the road. I still have it today. I kept these hardbound journals in those days. I wrote a full page that said, the secret to living is giving. And I just, I sat there and cried. And I cried because I realized in the beginning it was about giving, but then I was focused on what I wasn't getting. And then I was letting what I wasn't getting get in the way of my ability to serve. And so I got my shit together for a while and started to do well. And I made some mistakes again. And then what really finally kicked me over the edge was, you know, I'm, I'm personally a Christian, but I don't tell people what to believe spiritual ever. I think right, whatever right. you believe, it should be your gift to do. It should be your personal experience with God, not someone else telling you how it should be done. And it's like, you know, the old story of the four blind men coming up to an elephant and the metaphor is the elephant is God. And one touches, you know, the nostril here, you know, and the guy is like, oh, describes this as God. And the other guy gets the tail. Right, the other guy, right, right, and right. All, God's <laughs> right. bigger than what we can describe probably exactly. in just words, right? Exactly, and so exactly. I don't tell people what to do in that area. What I try to do is be a model of someone who's loving and kind. To me, if, if the name for God in all the religions of the world where people kill each other, we just change that to, to love, you know, no one will kill each other, right? And so right. for me, what I looked at is a few, few months later, I don't know, six months later, I, I, I peaked again and dropped. I moved in this 400-square-foot bachelor apartment in Venice, California, when Venice was really a terrible place. And, um, and, I, and I went broke. I mean, I, I literally went broke. I, I came to the point where I had, I don't know, 23 bucks in my pocket. I hadn't paid, you know, my electric bill. I hadn't paid my rent. And I, so that morning I got up and I was like, how to be pragmatic. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to an all-you-can-eat salad bar and load up for the winter. Right? <laughs> I need to burn some calories here. And now I can't drive my car. It's about three miles. I decided to go to a really nice area uh, called Marina del Rey. It's on the water. Yeah. and there's, very, there's a, very familiar. That's one oh of my, my favorite God. spots. Oh, great. Yeah, so, so, it's one of my favorite places, yeah. So there's an El Torito that used to be there right on the water. And I thought, I'm going to go sit there and watch the yachts go by and think about how I'm going to create an amazing life. I'm going to get inspired because I'm so depressed. So I walked. It wasn't that far, like three miles, but I didn't want to spend the money on parking. So I go in. I'll never get changed my whole life. I sit down. I, and it was, you know, taco bar. So I'm loading up carbs. I'm like <laughs> loading for the winter. Door opens and this beautiful woman walked in. I could not not notice. And so I waited to see. I was a single man. You know, is there a guy with her or not? And sure enough, there was. And he was this little tiny guy wearing a three-piece suit. He was a child. It's obviously her son. And he held the door for her. And then I'll never forget, he like held out the chair. And then when he was in conversation, he was like so with his mom. And it, I don't know what it was. I don't know it was something from my past or something, but it just moved me. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you know, yeah, give money when you're rich, you'll be great. But I've always tell people, if you don't give a dime out of a dollar, you're not going to give 10 million out of 100 million or 100 million out of mm. a billion. It just doesn't work that way. Mm. If you do it now, your life will change. So, I, I, you know, at that time, I'm thinking, I look at this boy and, and so I go pay the bill, and I don't know, I have like $19 and some change left over after paying like five bucks for the meal. And I had no plan. And I walked by this kid, and I decided to introduce myself. I didn't look at the woman. It wasn't about that. Mm-hmm. And I shook his hand. I said, sir, I said, I said, you're a class act. I said, I saw you hold the door for your lady. I saw you pulled out the chair. I saw you've been right here with her completely. I said, that's pretty amazing. And he goes, well, she's my mom. <laughs> I said, well, that's even more cool. <laughs> And right. I said, taking her lunch like this, that's very cool of you. He goes, well, I'm not taking her lunch. He goes, I don't have a job. You know, I'm nine, right? And I said, well, Charles, I said, I don't care. You are taking her lunch. And I didn't have any plan. I just reached in my pocket. I took all the money I had in this world, 19 bucks, haven't paid my rent, haven't paid my electrical. And I dumped it all in front of this kid. And his eyes got really big, like garbage can covers. And he looked at me and he goes, I can't accept that. I said, yes, you can. 
He said, how come? I said, because I'm bigger than you are. And he laughed. Wow. And yeah. I didn't even look at the lady and I walked out. And I swear to God, Jeezy, I, you know, then I realized they didn't have a car out there, right? And I looked like some stupid white guy skipping along. <laughs> I was so euphoric, like some idiot, right? And I got back home and I had no money, no food. I went to sleep in the happiest state ever been in my life. I woke wow. up the next morning. And in those days, we had the snail mail, right? Not email. And it's all bills, bills, bills. And there's this little note. And I had no idea I'm going to eat today. I'm going to pay for anything. I'm gonna, but I was still happy. I just, it was the craziest thing. I'd always lived in scarcity. And there was no scarcity in me. I opened this envelope. And it's from this guy I loaned $1,000 to like two years before when I barely had the money. But I know he needed it. And I've been riding him, calling him for like four months. And he never returned my calls. And so he wrote this apology letter and gave me $1,200 for being so generous with them at a tough time. And that $1,200 is enough to take care of me for a month, man. And so right. I just I just sat there and cried my eyes out and I was like, okay, Lord, why why is this happening? You know, I don't know really why, but yeah. I decided that that happened that day because, you know, I did what was right. I didn't do it for attention. I didn't do it for stars right. in the chart. I just did what was right. And when I had nothing, I gave. And I got to tell you, brother, right. I haven't had a day since that time in my life. I've had rough times. I've got 74 companies and in the early days. I almost went bankrupt with several. I fortunately didn't go bankrupt, but almost. And I found the way to turn things around. But I never went back to that place of living in scarcity. I always tell people, you don't get beyond scarcity. You got to start beyond it. It's something you do inside your head, inside your heart. And you do it by action. You don't do it by words. You don't do it by reading stuff. So for me, I love that $1,200. What's that? Not to cut you off. I love that. 12, it was $1,200 almost for you to go to the seminar. Yes. Oh, that's true. That I did even thought about that then before you, in all these years. Then you got $1,200 that you got to change and put your life back on track. Yeah. You know, so you got, you got to look at it. I mean, that's crazy. Gotta, <laughs> I have many people. I've never noticed. Right. No one else has ever noticed the same number. Oh, no. That's true. That's a no, magic I number. I got to bet I, on that magic. number somewhere. <laughs> and my, and my, magic, my magic number is $3,500. So my mother... Uh, when you asked about my story, my mother, yes. she, um, we was we was living in this trailer. It was about, you know, is is a uh, one bedroom trailer. Yeah, it's out on this this country road. Yeah, uh, the trailer was thirty five hundred dollars. I'll never forget. And I went out and I hustled this money up for months and months, and I had a choice because at that time I was kind of hanging out, going to clubs, and being with my friends. And I was just like, man, like it would just make me feel that much better to know my mother can have a good night's sleep. And keep in mind, yeah. this is only thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and I gave it to my mom to pay her trailer off, and she paid it off. Wow. And I just never, and I never forget that feeling because you know I, I didn't do all the right things to get the money, but I used the money for the right things. That's and cool. I remember that was one of the points where I knew what my cause was, and 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 to to help people no matter what. Yeah. And that sent me on my road to to being the man I am today because I always put people first. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it's just like I just had this thing called empathy. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, we have in common. And, yeah. and when I watch you speak and I watch the things you do, I'm like, he he's he he empathizes with people. Yeah. Like he sees where he can add value to people. And it's just like myself, like that twelve hundred. When you say twelve hundred, that's so significant because yeah. when I think about thirty five hundred dollars these days, I'm going <laughs> like, man, that that money changed my life. Like I gave that money to my mother, yeah. um, and and that was the first home I bought her. And actually, after that, I bought her several more homes. 
But I just remember myself saying, you know, I got to make sure my mom's good first. And then I just kind of spiraled over into other people in my family and even friends, you know, even friends. And even this, even this, Tony, like to me, this is so real because I like I said, I love, you know, what you bring. And I love how you add value to people and and, and just to be able to give my culture this and let them hear from somebody who had, because we all think our struggle is real. Like, yeah. I thought Everybody's my struggle, struggle was real. real. Yeah, I thought my struggle was real until I went to Jamaica. Yeah. Then I thought my struggle was real until I went to Africa. And I'm like, yo, there's people really in this world that are living in, you know, 10 houses and in the streets and watching washing their clothes and yeah. sewer water. And, and, and you think your story is so real. So just to hear somebody else's perspective and, uh, and, and see where they come from. My thing is like, how do you find inner peace and in, in and inspiration and balance in all these things that are going on in the yeah. world today. Well, I think, first of all, I want to just comment on what you just said, because it's so true. If there's one thing missing today in our country, it's compassion. I mean, the only, yes. only good thing, if you can call it good, nothing's good out of it, but from George Floyd is seeing people of all colors, all races, all areas come, come together. together in tears. Come together. And, yes. you, know, you can just yes. feel when it's real, right? It's not bullshit. Yes. It's not positioning. It's not like writing a check to somebody to try and cover your ass. It's just like right. people really <laughs> feeling that's the only good that I can see has come out of that situation. And hopefully more good is going to come out of it now. No, it's coming. It's coming. But, but we need that kind of compassion. But, yes. uh, but uh, to me, the way that you find peace is like, it's putting things in perspective, which is exactly what you just said. You know, I go to hunt last year, not this year, because <laughs> they shut everything down. But I went to 116 countries last year, right? 116 cities, 16 countries, some two and three times. And so that's a typical year for me. I see a quarter of a million people. And so the I get so much feedback because I've been doing this for 43 years with, you know, hundreds of millions of people that it's like, I can't walk down the street very much. I'm sure like you, but people come up to me and saying, you changed my life. It's the number one thing they say. I was correct. You you changed your life, but I'm glad I got (laughs) the help, right? I swear that's what I get. Continue on, but that's that's what I get. You changed my life. (laughs) How could you ever be down or depressed when you feel like your life has made a difference? I can wake up and do that now. But then the other part though, is having a daily set of rituals that keep your head straight. Cause like, you know, like COVID, right? Like I, I, I care at a level, no bullshit. I mean, you sense who I am or you wouldn't have called me out here, but it's like, you can't fake that for 12, 14 hours a day, four, five, six, seven days in a row with an audience of 10 to 15,000 people that would normally not sit for a three hour movie, right? Right. Or, you know, maybe a three hour concert at best. And I'm gonna take them 12, 14 hours a day and have them love it for three or four or five or six or seven days. You can't do that shit, you can't fake it. You have to give so much that everybody there gets that you're truly there to serve them. You're not there for any purpose, but to serve them. So in order to do that though, you got to keep your own head straight. So like when COVID happened, I give you a perfect example. It's like, I'm human, man. I was like, are you kidding me? Somebody called me up and said like three days in the beginning of March, I was doing a big event in San Francisco for, you know, 12,500 people. And that's going to be incredible four days and nights, you know? And somebody called me up and says, aren't you going to cancel? And I said, what are you talking about? I, last year I had mercury poisoning. And they put me in a hospital. I, I lost a quarter of my blood supply. And Damn. I got back on stage in a wheelchair a day later to finish the damn event. That's how committed I am, right? And I said, there's no way. And then, you know, the government canceled us in San Francisco and then in Moscow and then in London and then in Amsterdam and then in Sydney, Australia. And I'm like, I need to give right now. But people need this and I'm stuck. And so it's like, okay, we'll move locations. That didn't work. Every, everything city or state kept shutting down. And then it was like, Okay, I'm going to do this in movie theaters. Years ago, I do it. I'll do like 100 movie theaters with 
you know, 500 people or 600 people in each and do a small one, 5,000 people. And then they shut movie right. theaters down. And then I'm going to do, I have a, a, you know, a virtual reality company. I just sold to Apple. And I was like, I'll use our virtual reality, but the battery power couldn't do 12 hours a day, you know? And I said, the one thing I'll never do, I'm never going to do this in people's homes where they, they don't get the crowd. They don't get, you know, imagine going to a concert and it's in your home instead of right. surrounded by right. tens of thousands right. of people. But you, I got, there's no feeling. choice. And you so I went through these stages and I, I want to acknowledge them for the people at home who are listening, man. We all, when we go through loss, whether it's death, loss of a job, loss of an opportunity, loss of a relationship, we all go through stages and some people get stuck in a stage and that's why their pain or their hurt or their sadness or their depression or their rage keeps growing. And so the first one is shock. So when they tell me this, it's like a death, like, what are you talking about? You're going to cancel, make what I do for a living illegal unless I only do to 10 people. I mean, that's not who I am, man. And then it's after the shock, this is impossible. Then there's usually frustration or anger. Like, how could this happen? This is just nuts. We're going to lock up two thirds of the planet, you know, and tell them to stay at home. It's never happened in history. Healthy people staying right. home. This is nuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, right. And then, then, then you go to bargaining, right? Like, okay, well, you know, God, if I do this, will you do that? Or bargaining business people. And then gradually, you eventually have to get to a point where you accept things. Not you accept it's right or it's fair or it's just. You just accept that it's there. And acceptance is usually how people complete that feeling of sadness or hurt or loss. But I say there's a new step you need. You need now create. And so for me, this whole experience came down to me saying there's going to be a way to do it in people's homes. So here's what I did. I looked around for new references. I tried to get around where it's better. And I said, I'm not doing some freaking grandpa's webinar. I got to make this like a live event, like going like it's like, like you know, you know, as people like uh, Pat Riley, if you're familiar, you know, one of the owners of, of, yes, uh, of course, Miami, of course, right? Of Pat's been yeah, in Miami for 30 years. And right. Pat came, first time he came to event, he goes, Tony, this is like the seventh game of an NBA championship, but it's not two or three hours. It's like 12, you know? And so I know how to create that. So I sat down with this group and I laid it out. I go, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this in a different way. And I said, we're going to do 40 foot high ceilings. I'm going to buy a building. I'm going to do 16 foot high by 50 foot wide, 180 degree retina screens like your iPhone and do another 100 degrees behind me. And I'm going to call the guys at Zoom. I'm going to hire six companies and integrate it. I'm going to do this in nine weeks. They told me to take nine months. I said, in nine weeks, we're going to do an event for 30,000 people around the world. First, I did one for free for seven days for 400,000 people. I'm going to do that again, by the way, in January. I'm going to do it for a million people. Anybody who wow. wants to watch, I'll give them an address and then come for seven days and attend virtually. But I built this place so that now I got Zoom to go from 1,000 to 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. So I'm able to literally interact in people's homes. And it's so intimate. You see them with their children yeah, and crazy. their dogs and their cats and I, their kitchens. I need that so for a I concert. Took this, I took this horrible <laughs> experience. And now, wow. you know, I, Honestly, I lost almost $100 million this last year in business, wow. but fortunately, I'm doing all right. But I found, wow. in spite of all that, how to deliver for people. And now that business is growing again because I figured out how to pivot. I figured out how to change things. But that's because I didn't just stay pissed, didn't stay just negotiating. I didn't just settle right. for acceptance. It's like, create. If there's anything I'm about, I think you are too. It's about creating. We create new emotions, new experiences. That's what makes life rich. The word, the word, um, if I could use any word for this pandemic of 2020, it's made me become more innovative. Yes. It, it, it makes you think, like, that's why we're here. Like, yeah. I, I'm just like, yo, I have to reach more people. I have to 
understand how to do things that are outside. I had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I, had, I, had to, I had to find other outlets because even for me being a touring artist, being a performer, there's so many other things that I want to do. Uh, and this gave me time to do it. And it also gave me time to have insight. Like I listen to yourself, John Maxwell, all these different people yeah. every day. And I'm just like, how are you put, connecting these dots? And, and I'm watching it with the, the culture as well. A lot, of, a lot of us are doing things that we've never done before, all because we have the time and, and we're able to put our minds to it. Yeah. But that concept you're talking about, I mean, I just want to be the first artist to go ahead and say, if I can talk to you about on a sidebar about using that for some type of well, I was uh, going to say to you, if you want to use it, brother, I'll, I'll give it to you <laughs> yeah, to your concert. I do. I do. Pitbull's, I want it. Pitbull's, Pitbull's a friend of mine. Pitbull's a friend of mine. He came by about two weeks ago. Yeah. He's coming by tomorrow because we're going to do something for him. He wants to do it so he can see everybody because he came I to my it. live event and he watched around. He's like, this is unbelievable. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I definitely want that. I definitely want to be a part of that. So okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk put that together. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. 
So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Um, so so w- with all these things going on, like what, what haven't you achieved that you want to achieve? Because for myself... I want to, you know, create more value at all times. And then I also want to break the mold. Like for myself, it's like just coming from where I came from. I just think our our our, our cookie cutter mold is okay, you you become successful, you 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 you're successful, you become rich, and you become famous, and then you do all these other things that are inside the box. My thing is to always, you know, push the envelope. My thing is to always do things yeah. that um inspire me but more so you know that give other people inspiration and it's not easy sometimes because you know like you said when you're doing these things everybody is not going to believe because i remember standing on the block you know in in my neighborhood growing up and i was like yo i'm really going to be something i'm really going and and they would look at me and be like you're crazy yeah i'm like i'm really going to live here and i'm going to do this and i'm going to i'm going to achieve this and it was just like there's no way you can do it and when i go back home to visit and i see these same faces and they just look at me like in disbelief. Like, I just can't believe you did all the things that you said you was going to do. Yeah. And every morning I get up, I still have that same mindset. Like, I still have that same mindset to keep achieving, not for the uh, the accolades that come with, but, but more so for myself because that's who yeah. I am. Yeah. And it was a point in my life where I really realized when I was speaking with my auntie, and she always told me I was street smart, and I used to be like, okay, and what does that mean? But then I just start seeing things happen um, as I went on in life. Like, say, for instance, there'd be times where all the odds were against me. You know, yeah. I go through my motions and I, I feel the way I feel. And, you know, I don't play the victim, but I go through my motions and, and I'm like, you know what? I could do this. And, yeah. and it's like it's like a it's like a muscle. Once you exercise it and you get it healthy and it's just like now. I don't even ask why me no more. I like try me, you know, with life. It's just like whatever you got, I'm, I'm going to take it because I've been yeah. through the worst. Yeah. And my thing is like, how do you keep that mindset? Like, how do you, how do you, like right now with all these companies you got going on, all these things, and, and one would say, give me two of the companies and I'm and I'm good. I mean, by the way, and I didn't lose $100 million in the pandemic, so I feel for you, brother. Like, I'm like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, damn. I, I'm, not, I'm, not com- I'm not complaining, <laughs> no, brother. It's not a bad thing, but I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it's, like, it's, a long, it's a long way from not being able to afford McDonald's to being able right. to lose that much. And, and like, you know what? Okay. I, I committed this year. I, this is my biggest year of contribution. I committed $25 million because I do, uh, you know, you asked me some things that I've not completed. like, I decided okay. that I wanted to feed a billion people in 10 years. I decided wow. that five and a half years ago. How do you keep up with those numbers? Well, I, what it is, it started like I was writing this book and I was like, it was a financial book. And I was like, I'm lucky enough to not need the money from this book. Let me donate all this money to the book. And I was fed and I'd already done feeding programs. And I was like, what if I fed, how many people have I fed in my life? And this was eight years ago, six years ago. And I fed, found out I fed 42 million people. I was really proud of wow. it. I was like, what if I fed wow. that many in a year? And I was like, what if I fed a hundred million? I was, what if I fed a billion people? Because I think what happens for most people, they don't get goals that are big enough to excite them or they make them so big that it seems impossible. At this stage of my life, a billion meals was something I was to get my mind to grow to. And now, you know, we're five and a half years in, we should hit 700 million meals by the end of this year. So I'm going to, we're going to do it in less than 10 years. But this same year, I committed 25 million. So 10 million of those guys, because there's so many people without food right now that they're hurting more than usual. So I doubled up yes. this year. 
but I do 100 million people meals a year every year, and then I'm working on a project to feed a billion people sustainably. I've gone on missions to help save kids that are being trafficked. And they, you know, some yes. of these kids are six, seven years old. I just literally at my house um, a week ago, I start this group called Underground Railroad. And they're all people that they're former CIA, FBI, SEAL Team 6 guys. And they've given up their jobs, gone private, and they're going all over the world and busting these pedophiles and helping local governments figure out how to do it. So they were just in Haiti. They, they rescued these 11 girls from Venezuela who, you know, they got socialism there. So they got recruited to go to the Dominican Republic, supposedly work in hotels. They drugged them, took them to Haiti, stripped them, raped them, and then daily tied to a bed doing this. So we freed them. And I've been on these trips. Wow. So I wow. said, I want to free 25,000 people. This was just the next 10. And then the guy who was supposed to have the plane, the police that were corrupt, they're trying to get our guys and the girls back. So I sent my plane in the first place these girls landed, first time they had freedom. These are college-age kids from Venezuela, all of them, 11 of them in total, I guess, and came here for their first moments of freedom. So that kind of stuff just, like, juices me. So They, they came to you? Yeah, they came here to, to meet me first, and then we sent them wow. uh, up to Washington, D.C., and, and then wow. we sent her to Utah, and we are bringing their kids back into the country. But So, you know, I, I went to India, I see kids dying of waterborne disease is so easy to solve. So now I provide a quarter of a million people a day with fresh water. So all these things, it's like, I got to a stage in my life and brother, you probably will too, where it's like, shit, I've, I've gone beyond it all. It's not about getting, it's like Jim Rohn used to teach me, Tony, it's not what you get that's going to make you happy. It's who you become. That's going to make you really happy or really sad. So I was like, really happy I've become, but like, what else do I reach for? And then I started seeing I'm going to do these huge goals. I'm going to, you know, I'm worried about the environment. I'm planting hundred million trees. I've planted 70 million now and I'm going to get to the hundred million. So I have all these goals to push me. So it's hard not to be inspired when you're constantly mm -hmm. learning and growing just like you mm -hmm. are. Right. I got mm -hmm. so many dear friends around the world mm -hmm. who say I'm their coach, but I'm not dumb enough to just coach them. I'm learning from them. Exactly. And then I'm helping all these people and I'm getting the feedback and I got my own family and then I'm an athlete. And so all those things combined, but what I do believe in, everybody needs a daily practice. Because in the middle of all this crazy stuff, I had to get my own head together, obviously. And you need to do some things that'll keep you there. So one of the things I do every single day, I, you know, I pray and I meditate, but I never was a meditator. But I built this way of meditating. It's not about trying to make your mind not think of anything. And if any of your, uh, any of your listeners or viewers want to go there, they can go to TonyRobbins.com forward slash priming. And there's a video and it'll take them through it. It's just 10 minutes a day. If you don't got 10 minutes for yourself, you don't have a life. And all it is is, training your brain to wire itself for gratitude, for contribution, and for action. In other words, most people have a highway to stress and a dirt road to happiness. Literally, whatever pathway you go on in your brain over and over again, you get wired. You're wired to be pissed off or wired mm -hmm. to be worried. But you can wire yourself for passion or growth or contribution or playfulness or whatever you want to do. And so every morning I get up and I do this 10-minute process and it's like three minutes of these things that I'm grateful for that I think and see and feel because gratitude, as corny as it sounds, it destroys the two things that F up everybody's life, fear and anger. Right. You can't mm. be grateful and angry simultaneously. It's the solution. And you can't right. be fearful and grateful simultaneously. They cancel each other out. They totally, and, and so now your brain gets wired to be grateful, wired to, to appreciate people and things in life because because I have a daily practice. I don't wake up saying, oh my God, what a perfect day. I, I'm doing a seminar this weekend in my stadium, in my Zoom stadium, and it's for Europe. So 
I have to get up at 1 a.m. I usually go to bed at 4 or 5. I'm a night person. And I got to be on stage by 4 a.m. and then go from 4 a.m. to 6 p.m. and then come back and go to bed again at 8 or 9 and do it again for four days in a row. So you better be inspired. You better have a system. So I do this gratitude. Then I do this creation process. And in 10 minutes, my nervous system is ready to rock and roll. And it's not fake and phony. It's not a pump up. It's the real thing. I also believe every day you got to do something to push yourself. In fact, let me give you real fast. I'll give you five quick things that I did when I was chased out of my house with a knife and okay. that I did during COVID. I went but right back to was, it. That you was chased out, oh, you chased out of your house with the knife by your mom. That's right. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. that, you know, I told you, I sleep on the mountain and I'm in this person's, you know, uh, washroom and I'm, and I'm feeling bad and I'm trying to figure out what to do and it's Christmas time. It was Christmas Eve which chased me out. So it was a pretty rough time. And so I took a little bit of cash out of my pocket, again, 15, 18 bucks in those days. And I got on a bus and I went to this bookstore and I bought a book called The Magic of Believing by Claude M. Bristol. And it was all about how to program your mind. And then that started me, man. I just consuming book after book after book. And then I started doing audio tapes and I'm old enough to remember when there was no YouTube, <laughs> you had to buy this shit. And it was like six cassettes was 300 bucks with a little workbook. And I'd take four weeks, five weeks of pay and go down and listen and immerse my mind. And by feeding it. So I believe you should do five things every day. One, you got to feed and strengthen your mind. In the middle of COVID, mm. baby, this is the time mm. to do it. You're doing it right now, right? That's what you're right, doing. You're right. like, yes. and, and it's so easy today because it's all over the web yes. and it doesn't even cost you anything, for God's sakes. Right. So you got to, but you got to not feed it with what comes to your phone. You know, we're not talking about clickbait here. We're talking about a book that's going to teach you philosophy or strategy or a skill that's going to make you better, stronger, or let you help other people. That's what's going to change your life. And so Jim Rohn used to say to me, he said, Tony, every day you got to stand guard at the door of your mind. I said, what do you mean? And I'll never forget. He paused for a moment. He said, listen, he said, what happens if your worst enemy drops sugar in your coffee? I said, nothing. I get sweet coffee. He says, what happens if your best friend, your mom, your dad, a friend, family member by accident drops one drop of strychnine in your coffee? I said, I'll be dead. He goes, that's right. Life is sugar and strychnine. So watch your coffee. Because right. the bad shit comes in if you're not there, right? He goes, you got you to pay attention. You got to drill it. And he said, and the way to do that also is read 30 minutes a day. Miss a meal, don't miss reading 30 minutes. And I'm old enough. I used to go to the, to the, literally to the library to do this and read autobiographies. Because as you read someone else's words, especially an autobiography where they wrote it, you think their thoughts. If you think their thoughts, you start changing the way you are. I mean, we all know thoughts lead to emotions. Emotions are what lead to action or lack thereof. And so. That's the first thing. Feed and strengthen your mind. You got to challenge it. Second, you got to feed and strengthen your body every day. I mean, if you don't do that, the mind and body are together. It's like if you ever feel fear, and that's what stops people, right? We all know it. Right. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of not looking good, all the fears, right? Fear of getting hurt. But the truth of the matter is, fear is physical. Like, you know, if you're really fearful, you can feel it in your throat or your gut, right? But so right. is courage. And courage doesn't mean there's no fear, it doesn't take courage if you're not afraid. If you're the only way you get courage is you're afraid and you do it anyway. That's what courage is. And it's a habit. Correct. And Correct. so you learn to train your body to do that. So I go on a sprint or I go lift some weights or I, in all my homes, unfortunately, I have multiple homes around the world because I travel so much. I have these cold plunges. And today I'm here in, in Palm Beach, Florida. It was storming. The wind was going sideways with rain. And I go out there and the first thing I do in the morning is jump in 56 degree water. And I don't do that because I like it. I do it number you one. Said, you, you call it cold, cold, cold plunge. 
Yeah, yeah I, cool. I do Why that now. I take, I take cold showers, by the way. That's my. That's oh, my that's theory. a good one. Could you explain just. Cause, cause I I want them to hear yeah. why you take these cold splurges in these cold showers. I, I want them to understand. The reason at first is it, it moves it moves the blood through every organ in your body because you are every you know the the pure temperature change shoots your limb. So it's incredibly valuable for health. But the main reason I do it is not just that. The main reason is to train my brain. But when I say go, we go. I never walk mm. up and go. Oh, I'm cold. Maybe in a minute. Mm. Let me wait thirty seconds. Let me right, do it tomorrow. Right, right. That right, habit right. of negotiating yourself is why most people fail to achieve their dreams. So I train my brain. You jump, you jump. And I do it every morning. It's the first thing. And there's never been a morning where I was like, I can't wait to jump in that freezing water. Never. So one of the mistakes people make is they go like, I don't feel strong enough yet. Or I don't feel good. Screw that shit. Yeah, I don't give a shit how you feel. Do it. That's you right. Keep, talk you, that you talk, keep, baby. Talk that talk. That's talk. right, man. You keep doing it and then you'll feel it. You don't wait till right. you feel it. If you wait till right. you feel it, you may never feel that way, right? Yes, but if you do it, yes. that changes the game. So I have these daily disciplines. Third thing, real fast, is you got to find yourself a great role model. And today, you may not have access to them directly, but because of the web, you can study anybody you want to study. They've got blogs, mm-hmm. they got backgrounds, mm-hmm. they got mm-hmm. videos, mm-hmm. right? So in those days, it was harder. But I would study people. And so I, I grew up so poor, I swore I was never going to have that happen to my family. And I wanted to not just take care of my family, but what I'm doing today, take care of families all over the world. And so that was my burning desire. So I got to figure this out. So I looked around and saw Sir John Templeton was this man who started with nothing. He was no sir. Came the richest, you know, a first billionaire investor, international investor. And he made money when things were the worst, like right now. His whole thing was you make all your money at times of maximum pessimism. When things are going great, people think it's going to go great forever. And if you try Mm -hmm. to buy their stock or their home, they want more than it's worth. But when things are going Mm -hmm. bad, they think it's going to go bad forever and they'll sell Mm -hmm. it to you really cheap. And so Mm -hmm. you can give a billionaire by investing $20,000 in the stock market in 1939 when Hitler was taking over the world and everybody's scared. Five years later, the markets jumped. Within 10 years, he was a billionaire. So I study him and eventually, believe it or not, (laughs) I was... 39, I interviewed him and I interviewed him three weeks before he died in 2008. So he became a role model for me, not a perfect role model. No one's perfect, but he showed me pathways to do well. Fourth, and I'll wrap this up is you got to take massive action. People wait till they have a perfect plan. You got to try something and then iterate, iterate, try something else. If it doesn't work, change. It's like I always say to people, how long would you give your average kid to learn how to walk before you shut them off and went, dude, you're not a walker. Right? right. You go, you crazy? My kid's going right. to keep trying until they get <laughs> there, right? Yeah, and yeah. so you, you, you take action, keep changing, and then finally, give more than you expect to receive. Like when you have nothing is the time to go give. Go work, go give. You, you're broke, go to the homeless shelter and go take a lunch or two in a week and go feed some people. Because like you said, brother, what it does, it's like I hear so many people say America is such a crappy place. They haven't been anywhere else. You know, less right. than 15% of Americans even have a passport. So they don't know what it's like. All they hear is what they hear, media, the news, or at school. But you travel this world and you really start to appreciate what you have. And if even within this country, if you go help somebody that's worse off than you are, suddenly your brain realizes you're lucky and it kicks you into gear and gives you momentum. So those are five little keys that I, I do on an ongoing basis in my life to just keep getting better and better and better. Well, I had, I had, three, I had three of those, so, so I'm close. Oh, cool. <laughs> Tell me your three. Um, I definitely help where I can. Yeah, I get that about I, you. I, I help. I help. I help more, and I just you know my grandmother she raised me, so it was always do unto others as you want to be done. But I just found myself 
um, always going out on my way. And by the way, isn't that isn't that the beautiful part of religion? Religion can be used to manipulate. And, you right. know, people are going to manipulate whatever. People are going to kill people over the name of religion. But at its core, all religions are really about love thy brother like thyself, right? And right that's right. all we did. The game changes, right? That's right. all that's really needed. And your mom instilled it. I saw you do the Choice for Tots in the Hood piece. Yeah, Are, yes. you, are you still doing that? Yes. I, I, I have Street Dreams Foundation, which I have uh, inner city kids. I've had it uh, for maybe 15 years now. And it started before... I started music. It started when when I was in the neighborhood, and I used to tell the wow. the guys out there, like you know, man, you guys are hanging out late, making noise, you know, all kind of yeah. uh, 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 things are going on that these kids shouldn't see. And I'm just like, you know, we, we're making money, yeah. So why don't you give me five hundred? You give me a thousand? You give me this? You give me that? And what I did was took all the money and uh, went and got the local gymnasium, and went and bought all these toys and U-Hauls, and then called all the parents. And have them bring the kids through and grab like bikes and That's toys really and cool. all that stuff. And, and also, it, it taught it taught the neighborhood because you know w w one thing about where we're from. If you're in a position of power, you 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 consider the leader in, in in some sense. And I think that just showing these individuals that you can use your leadership in different ways to me was you know empowering for myself because these are things that my grandmother taught me that I was able to teach to the people that were teaching me things in the streets but I'm like but you know you can still be this yeah. is your this is your ecosystem you yeah. have to be good to these people yeah. cuz they're going to protect you and they're going to make sure you're straight and we all know how the the game goes but you know they, they, these are our people and we got to take care of them Listen, man, I, I'd like to donate uh, 500 bikes for Christmas for you. Oh, for your there birthday, it is. Man. Yeah, I love it. I okay? love it. That's and what why, I'm talking and, about, And why man. don't you use it? Here's my request. Use it as uh -huh. matching funds, brother. So okay. you, you tell me offline here. Just let me know what the cost is or I'll, I'll do it okay. myself. But use okay. the matching funds. Everything I try to do, I try to double it up. So I'll still give you the money regardless. But right, see right, if right. you can go to your group and say, I got a, I got someone who's willing to, if we do 100, he'll match 100. If you do 200, he'll match got 200. It. I'll give you the 500 regardless, but let's do that together. I, I surely appreciate it, and, and, and the inner city kids will too. So how do you continue? Oh, but I want to hear one more thing if I can interrupt you. What are the other two that you said you did? I want to oh, hear yeah, you. yeah, yeah. So one is giving back. Two is overcoming fear. One thing that I learned, um, and I, I've been taking these cold showers lately, and it was the craziest thing ever because I'm just like, hold it. And I just got so good at it. But coming up, I would always like put myself in positions where there was no retreat. Yeah, it's almost like you burn, you, you burn the bridge, you burn the boat and you can't go back. You, ha you have right. to take the island. That's right. And, you got um, it, brother. Yeah. So, and, and I always put myself in those positions and I, I'm a thinker. So, so I think my way through things, I think, you know, w w what's the next step? What do I do if this goes left? And I just kind of put fear to the back burner because I always understood that, you know, I don't make good decisions and fear is just a feeling. That's right. So you don't make good decisions um, when you let your mind control. Because it's like when you let fear control you, it's, it's you letting outside things outside of your body right. control the way that you're, you know, thinking or maneuvering. Yeah. And I learned early not to do so. And to be honest with you, Tony, it kept me out of a lot of bad situations and kept me alive and, and, and kept me from, you know, even giving up on myself at times where I knew that, you know, this might not work out for me, but I stayed strong and I stayed solid. Wow. And, and I kept it pushing. That, that you and I are so you and I are so aligned. It's silly. It's like I always tell people: a decision made from fear is always the wrong decision. Always, right? always. always. And, and you know, it's not always. anybody's fault. Like it's not like <laughs> right. we're not courageous because all right. of us have something that'll trigger us. Right? I don't care how strong yes. you are. 
But it's yes. what you do when you get triggered that really matters, right. man. It's like right. we all have a two million year old brain. That's how old this right. thing is. Right. And, and it's been it's not wired to make you happy. It's wired to make you right. survive. So it's always looking for what could go wrong so you can fight it or flight from right. it or freeze. And so that's right. wired in us. But we used to be wired so that, you know, we could deal with a saber tooth tiger. Well, there aren't any. Tiger, yeah, so yeah. now I, we worry about said that. Yeah. Yeah. Now right. we worry about what people <laughs> say about us in social media or how much money we have and all that bullshit. Right. It's not truly survival in those situations, but our, no, no, our no. emotions respond that way. And when you learn to conquer that, brother, that's why you are who you are. Yes. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know, coming from where we come from, we didn't know about morning routines and rituals and things yeah. to get you on. Me and other brother. Balance. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. once I once I figured my morning routine out and, and understand that I, I read this book, it's called The Miracle Morning. And mm-hmm. it really um it really took it to another level for me. Yeah. But I always had a morning routine. I'd get up, I would think, I would write things out. And this is yeah. as a youngster. And as I got older, I just started to see how that actually helped me and put me um in a position. And even like because my grandmother raised me a certain way and I was grateful for a lot of things and I understood how to respect people, even though, you know, I, I, I was rough around the edges. I was able to get into a lot of different rooms and yeah. get different perspectives on life. So I was able to sit into rooms where, you know, people like myself, meaning like just coming straight from the streets, we wasn't typically invited in those rooms, but my yeah. mannerism was so good and I understood how to um, deal with people that they would volunteer information and then I would take that information and put it either in my music or tell it yeah. to my peers or my yeah. friends, which was why I was able to write the first recession yeah. um, because I was in those rooms. I was actually sitting around different politicians, different city officials, just different lawyers and yeah. people in the city that made things happen. And I was just like, I heard the word recession and I'm like, okay, what is this? And then when I put it and a lot of people didn't even know what the word recession meant. 
and yeah. I had to go make it make sense. And yeah. um, and, and and here we are again. But I learned to be grateful for 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 who I am because I know that if 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 God didn't want me to be here, He wouldn't have gave me the opportunities and the chances that I had because it's been so many times where it could have been over Tony, like. You you know <laughs> I don't I don't know um, when you heard about me because I know when I heard about you but you probably wouldn't have heard about me if these things would have happened <laughs> and um but I'm here and, and and I get up every morning and I'm just grateful for that you know I'm humble for that I have a chance to be great every morning I have a chance to do better than I did yesterday and yeah. I have all my limbs and I have people around me and and, and people actually care about what yeah. I have to say. Yeah. Without gratitude, man, you could be worth a billion dollars. I right. I needed 50 billionaires, uh, you know, 25 to start with and 50 finally, all self-made, right? Nobody from the Lucky Sperm Club. Right. And as I dug in their brains to figure out what they do, I really learned a lot and, and became good friends with a lot of them, like Ray Dalio and Paul Tudor Jones has been a friend for 25 years, some of the top financial traders in the history of the world, right? But you know what's interesting? Out of the 50, there's probably five that are happy. Right. And, and it's I not, know a few. it doesn't matter how much money they got, man, because it's right. like money doesn't change you. It makes you more of what you right. are. If you're mean, right. you got right. more to be mean with. If you're loving, right. you got more loving with. And, and some of these people are so incredible and successful in achievement, but they're not successful inside. And so my right. whole goal was to make sure that you had both. And you got that. And, but a huge role, obviously, was your grandma. I'm sorry to ask. I'm, I'm sorry for my ignorance. Is she still alive right. by chance? No, no. She, she passed, but, but she left me um, with a lot. Like yeah, she, well, that's, that's where crazy. you are. <laughs> and she and she didn't never. You know what's crazy? She used to tell me all the time. She's like, "Boy, you're gonna go to jail, and you're gonna be in jail, and this, that, and the other." And I swear to you, everything that she told me I was going to jail about changed my life. All okay. the hard times I've been through, all the the risks that I took, and I just remember her saying that. Like, I I I was like, I can't let my grandmother down. So everything that I learned, I have to take it and make it a positive. I have to take it and make yeah. it a plus. Yeah. And even though I came in the game, you know, just on a, a a page of, you know, just ignorance and a lot of different things because I was coming from a place, you know, as as a as a black man where you felt like it was just you against the world. And then yeah. you get there and you're like, oh, hold on. People actually care what I got to say. Yeah. And I have some good stuff in me too. So let me just start sprinkling that. And as I got better with that, I just feel like I'm making her proud every day because she didn't get a chance to see it and everything that she thought was going to get me in trouble actually saved my life. Because if I didn't have this, I wouldn't have a story. I couldn't even tell people um, yeah. about any hard times or, or, or anything they went through. But what I wanted to ask you was, how do you, because I know what I'm working on and, and, and it goes through evolution for me just to um, keep evolving and, and evolving my message. But how do you continue to just reiterate your, your, your message and, and, and keep it going after all these years. Well, it's because, it, you know, th there's never a, not a new challenge. It's like, you know, I work in 100 countries and I see everything. You know, somebody stands up in the middle of an event. I don't know if any of your viewers have ever seen that. There's a Netflix documentary called Tony Robbins, I'm Not Your Guru, because that's not what I'm here yes, to do. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, you know, and I, you know, I haven't lost a suicide and knock on wood in, you know, 35, 40 years, 43 years, never lost one. And I've done thousands and we've done follow-up years later. And that film's another example. We have like four suicides. You know, it's been five years. You fall back and see where things are. But the, the capacity to know how to create and the capacity to deal with new challenges is what makes it happen. Like you're looking at the culture right now and you're saying, how do I bring my music to help people, right? That's a, you're, right. you're an inspiring. You're not just writing music, write music. It gives you a, you know, I always say motive does matter. If your motive is just take care of yourself, there's nothing wrong with that because you're part of life and life supports life. So it's going to give you insights. 
Uh, I got married when I was 24 to a woman 12 years my senior, had been married twice before me, kids from both husbands. I adopted them as my own. So you got to imagine this, Jeezy. I'm 24 and I got a 17-year-old son, an 11-year-old. Oh, whoa, whoa. You're 24 you got a 17-year-old son? <laughs> yeah, at that time, it's like, <laughs> it's crazy, man. I'm, I'm, I'm 60 now and I got a 53-year-old son. Wow. And a 43-year-old son. And, you know, wow. so... But what that did is it made me how to grow in a different way, like to help these kids in all these stages. I grew in a different way. It's like if your goal is to help, you know, your community, you're going to give a different level of insight. If you're whole, if you're trying to help humanity and it's not bullshit, it's not what you tell other people, your soul, you know what's true, then you're right. going to get a different level of insight. So I've had these experiences over the years where I'm standing on stage and somebody stands up and they're suicidal. They're going to, they've tried twice and they got the pill and they're going to do it now. I got to do it right now. Or then I got a guy that, you know, made a half a billion dollars and he's depressed because, you know, bored, you know, right, like, right. and then you got a couple that wants to kill each other. And so how could I not grow when I'm stepping in the middle of insanity mm. all the time and it, mm -hmm. every time it's different, right? So it's like a piece of art, you know, yes. so I don't need to be inspired that way. And then the other thing is I'm just inspired by people like yourself. The reason I want to do this is, you know, I made it the same stuff. I was white trash. No one's going to listen to me. There's no money right. for food, but it's like right. you overcome that not by being an egotistical asshole, but by like learning and growing and serving. And if you keep learning, growing, serving, and you serve more and more, you build a brand, you build a brand, you have no difficulty right. having impact in the world we are today, especially with social media, where now you can spread your message around the world. Right. So I'm so happy you're doing these podcasts now, and I'm grateful you let me be part of this first. Le learn, learning, loving, and serving. You got it, brother. Okay. And, and, and one last and some thing. some laughing so in there and some growing and some giving, right. some passionate, gracious, you know, and really generous giving as well is what really makes it all work. I remember hearing this story that that I was so intrigued by. It was saying that this guy went to this this um, event. He went to a seminar. Yeah. And he was there, and and he said um, he was there for about twenty minutes. Somebody told him about it. He should have been there. He was just like, "All right, I'm gonna go check it out." And he said he went and he got there. He started feeling uncomfortable. He wanted to leave, yeah. and he said he was talking to an individual, uh, a tall guy, taller than him, and he's like, hey, man, no, Tony's coming on. He's going to be great, man. It's, it's going to be worth your time, and you should stay, and, and, and you should, uh, you know, just check this out. And he said he wanted to leave, and he thought about it, and he said, you know what, I'll stay since you said so. And um, he said, Tony will be on in a minute. <laughs> and he said he went to the stage and sat down and, when it came on, it was you and you was Tony. Right. <laughs> and you had told to stay at the seminar. I wasn't very famous at that time. <laughs> I, it was actually the day I was 24 years old and it was the day my first book, Unlimited Power, came out. So right. very few people knew who I was. And his name is Joseph McClendon and he's my dear friend to this day. In fact, he speaks for me now. We wrote, wow. uh, we took Unlimited Power and wrote, rewrote it with Black Stories 20 years ago called Unlimited Power, Black Choice. He's African-American. And, right. um, and we wrote, the, wrote that book together so we could change the stories to inspire people because I'm a white guy and we can all be inspired by any story. But we've been friends for 30 years since that time and helped people around the world. Shout out to Joseph. What would, the, what would this Tony tell younger Tony? I would say um, stress less, enjoy more because it's all going to be beautiful, brother. You know, your wow. level of work ethic, your level of caring, your level of passion and your unrelenting fucking commitment to serve will bring such beauty to the world, to your friends, to your family and to yourself. So I probably would have enjoyed a little more along the way today. I'd enjoy massively, but I'll be honest. It's like right. I was seven days a week, 
24 hours a day. I got to save everybody every time, <laughs> making my poor wife exhausted traveling the earth. <laughs> so COVID has had its other gifts too, which is I haven't been in one place like this, you know, for since I was 17, you know, and wow. so I've had more time with my family, but I haven't shrunk my reach. I've expanded my reach just using new right. technology to do it. I, I just, I just want to take this time to tell you, Tony, like, and, and this is not for nothing, man. Like, you know, I, I built my career. I built my family's lives. I built our well-being, our generational wealth off of believing. And and even when I got the times where I tried to do new endeavors and I'm just like, okay, they're not going to really let me in this. I can't really barge my way in. It's not like the streets. It's not like just hustling. And I think, you know, wising up and get smarter and understand strategy and just try other ways. And yeah. one thing that I, I want to say is just, I just remember at times when um, I even thought like, man, like I'm not going to be able to pull this off. And I could just hear you in my head from those podcasts saying, try something else, try it again, That's try right. it again, <laughs> keep trying it. And I just want to tell you just coming from the, 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 the person that built this brand and this life off of thug motivation yeah. That you know, you 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 inspire many of us, brother, and I appreciate you taking the time to be the first guest on the Recession Podcast. And uh, I just can't wait for my people and my culture to get a whiff of what I've been, you know, here to to witness. You know, this yeah. this is a real thing for me. But I'm really grateful that I could share. It. And I just listen, man. I'm just uh, you, you strip off the skin, and there's no difference from any of us. It's just people's bullshit. It's just in their heads, and we all know mm-hmm. you go to countries where it's all white or all black, and they said people separate. They're so damn tribal. But that's right. that's the fear part of us. The spirit part of us, regardless of religion, the soulful part of us knows that we're brothers and sisters, man. And just we need that empathy, and also calling it tight when it's bullshit, calling it bullshit, but still keeping the empathy. I think that's how we bring things together. It's not going to be easy. There's lots of work to be done. But I think um, guys like yourself, you're showing the way. You're showing people what's really possible. And I'm, I'm grateful for you. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wish it was black so that people could feel from a different place. But, <laughs> no, you know, we got uh, you. Quincy Jones. <laughs> we, we got you. <laughs> Quincy Jones is a dear, dear friend of mine. And, you know, he calls me his ghetto brother and, and my wife is ghetto <laughs> sister. And one day he says that's to me, right. he goes, Tony, he goes, you're DNA, man. Your DNA. And I said, Q, what are you talking? He goes, You're damn near African. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Hey, that's that's one. But you got you got some more brothers here than us, man. We always here for you, brother. Anything we could do, man. Let me offer you one last thing, if I may, just for your audience, if it's okay. I'd like to absolutely plant one more seed of something that might be helpful. When I had this experience when I was a kid and we had no money for food, and it was Thanksgiving, I was eleven. That's what started all this for me of feeding people and so forth. It's like I, somebody fed my family and my I, father. I can, it's not, not to cut you off. I yeah. can tell you this story, but go ahead. Okay, I, I'm I, going I, to I studied you I'm going to tell the whole story. But I, I just, I want no, no, people to what know. I'm saying is, I know it. <laughs> go ahead, I go just ahead. want people to know that when I'm 11 and like, we're not going to have any food. We wouldn't have starved. We'd have crackers and butter, you know, that shit. But we wouldn't have a Thanksgiving dinner. And this guy comes to the door with these, you know, I knocked, knocks on the door, tall guy, bags of food you know, turkey on the ground, you know? And he goes, is your father here? And I'm like, no problem. So I run to get my dad. He's yelling at my mom. My mom's yelling at him saying stuff you can never take back, you know, really horrible stuff. And my dad got mad. He's like, we don't take charity. And so long story short, he eventually took the food, slammed the door, didn't thank the guy. I was stunned because I was like, there's food, man. What a concept. This is really cool. And I couldn't figure it out. And then my father left about two weeks later, never to be seen for another five years. It was 
Dear, really? I had four wow. brothers, the one that was dearest to me. Wow. The reason I tell you the story is to try to figure that out. I realized one day that there's three decisions we all make. And I just want to share it with your audience because I just think it's simple. I, you know, you can work for years to try to simplify something so you can act on it. I always tell people complexity is the enemy of execution. The more complex you make it, you make yourself feel smart, but you don't do anything. Right? right. So there's three decisions we all make. And I just want your audience to check, see if it's true. You too. First okay. decision is what are you going to focus on? Like right now, most of these three decisions are made unconsciously. So you keep doing the same shit, getting the same life. But if you get come conscious of these three things, you can change everything in your life. So the first one is, what do you focus on? Because whatever you focus on, you're going to feel. If you focus on this person is taking advantage of you, even if they're not, you're going to mm. color it. You're going to see it that mm. way. And you're going to feel it that mm. way. If you're mm. supposed to meet somebody for dinner at seven and they don't show up. If in the past you focus on your mind or screwing around with somebody else, you're going to be pissed. If you think they're in a mm. car accident, mm. you're going to be you know, worried about them. So mm. what we focus on, is the single most important decision of our life. And most of us, we don't focus on it. We let machines do it. What's happening, the way people are being manipulated today is mind-boggling, and it starts with your focus. So learning how to control your focus is everything. So the three decisions, you've got to decide what to focus on. Are you going to focus on what's right or what's wrong? Are you going to focus on the blood that's rushing through your left ear you weren't thinking about, or your clothing touching your skin, or what you're going to do for the world, right? We can't focus on everything at once. We have a limited amount of focus. So once you focus on what matters most, when you start majoring in minor things, you're going to have a problem. But if you focus on the things that matter most, your body, your emotions, your relationships, your career, your family, God, making a difference, your business, there are only so many things. You put focus in those things and it changes. But the minute you focus on something, it starts a pattern. Then the brain makes a second decision. What does this mean? Is this the end or the beginning? If you think it's the end of a relationship, you're going to treat that person very differently than if you think it's the beginning of a relationship. Right, right, right. If you think God is punishing you right now with this problem, or God is challenging you, or this problem is a gift from God, or it's not God at all, I'm a lazy bastard, whatever you decide to give to a meaning is going to change how you feel. So if, you, if I think you're disrespecting me versus you're challenging me, the minute you focus on something, you got to come up with a meaning. If the meaning is a negative meaning, you're going to go to a negative emotion. If the meaning is a positive meaning, you're going to go to a positive emotion, and that controls your third decision. What are you going to do? So I want to give your, your listeners just one quick little distinction. It starts with focus. Where do you spend more of your focus? And I'm going to give you three quick distinctions, and we're done. One, answer this question for yourself, if you're listening right now or watching. And the question is, we all have different focuses. Do you tend to focus more on what you have or what's missing from your life? Do you mm. tend to, we, both, we do both. Everybody does both. But where do you spend more of your time focusing on what's missing or what you have? Now, when I do this in an audience of, you know, 10, 15, 30,000 people in a stadium, I do it with them and I have them raise their hands so I can see in a mass audience across the world. And it's made up usually seminars. So I usually translate five or six languages. We have people usually from 40 or 50 countries at a time. So I get a real picture of the world. And in my seminars, people are coming, they're achievers, they want to achieve, they're hungry, they're driven, they, you know, or they got dragged there, you know, one of the two. And the bottom line is, most of those people focus on what's missing. And so you got to think about this for a second. Think of this as software. There's nothing wrong with you or I, but if I'm constantly focusing on what's missing, how can I ever sustain happiness? No matter mm. how many beautiful people are in my life, children, family, lovers, no matter how much money I make or business, 
it's not going to happen. You have a billion dollars. And if every day you're pissed off and frustrated, the quality of life is pissed off and frustrated, right? You don't have it. So yeah. our focus tends to be for most people what's missing. And the problem is you can't build on failure. If you focus on what you do have, which you do, you practice, you know, attitudes of gratitude, right? The more you do what your grandmother taught you to do, it gives you an energy and that energy gives you strength to deal with those challenging times. It's not about being fake and phony. It's about just remembering the truth of what's good because that's the only place you can build from. Now, here's the second one. Do you tend to focus on what you can or can't control? Which gets more of your time? Do you mm -hmm. focus more on you can control or can't control? Most people in my seminars focus on what they can control. That's why they came there. They want to take control of their finances or their business or their relationship or their body or their economics, right? That's why they go. But most people in the general public focus on what they can't control. So I want you to think about this just in software. If your brain is always looking for what's missing, seeing what's not good in your life and focusing on what you can't control, what are you going to feel most days of your life? You're mm. going to feel overwhelmed, stressed, mm. pissed off, mm. angry, rageful, depressed, mm. one of those, mm. right? And then a third pattern is, do you tend to focus more on the past, the present, or the future? We do all three, or do you spend more of your time? And what I do in my seminars, smallest number is past. When you go to the general public, most of it's the past. And the past isn't always good, and you can't change it. If you want to succeed, you anticipate the future. You're anticipating, so you're not having to react. That's your power. You're anticipating. That's what you've done in your life. That's both of you done. I've done it right. as well. But you also got to spend time in the present moment, soak it up and enjoy where it is because otherwise you're always chasing, right? Mm -hmm. So watch this. I ask people in seminars all the time, how many of you know somebody that takes antidepressants and they're still depressed? And you get like 90% of the room raises their hand, 85, 90% of the room. So how's that possible? Because when you give somebody a drug, all it does is numb them. It doesn't take care of the problem. The problem is you're focusing on what's missing all the time, focusing on what you can't control. There's so much you can't control, but there's so much you can. You control what you focus on. You control your emotion. You control the meaning. You control what you do. You can't control the economy. You can't control you know, other people's attitudes. You can't control a lot of life. So you focus on what you can. And when you make those three changes, where you develop the habit, and that's what I teach people to do, to find what's empowering, to see what you really do have and build on the success versus the failure, when you're focused on what you can control and you're focused on building the future but enjoying the present, it completely changes the quality of people's lives. So I just want to plant that seed. It's like there are little patterns that will change your whole life. We think it's like, oh, my God, I'm 30 pounds overweight. It's usually three or four things you got to change. Right. But we are so overwhelmed by it by the emotion of it all. And we've tried so many times, it's never worked, so nothing will ever work. We're afraid to fail. But if you can practice a couple new patterns of just the way you think, it'll change the way you feel, it'll change what you do, it'll change your results, and it'll create the quality of life you desire and deserve. There you have it, baby. Right? The great Tony Robbins, people. Thanks, <laughs> no, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Recession Podcast by Jeezy, a production of Black Effect and iHeart Radio. For more podcasts, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 
10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 